Gracious Father, Lord, I just ask in these moments that we have together this morning that you would, through your spirit, come each and every one here this morning. May the anxiousness and fearfulness that can come as a result of living life uh, be laid at the foot of the cross this morning, uh, that you would, through your spirit, guide us in all truth, uh, that we would truly come with open hearts, open minds, uh, realizing that everything you give to us in your word, uh, through prayer, through the lives of other believers is for our good, uh, as it is lived out biblically uh, and, and for your glory. Uh, and so, Father, we ask that you would guide us this morning, uh, that as we take a look uh, at the thief uh, and what used to characterize us uh, and something that should not characterize us as we move forward, uh, that we wouldn't just discredit this as something that, well, I've never really stolen anything for us to see that there is actually a very broad uh, application that can be used in relation to this. Uh, and so, Father, may you guide us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 4. Today, our text is verse 28. And as you know, as you're turning there this morning, just by way of uh, context and just by way of reminder, you know that we have been in uh, this being the third uh, thing that has been spoken to in contrast to what used to be part of our old self, uh, things that characterize our new self uh, that is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, as it says in verse 24. Um, and actually, I'm going to pick up reading in verse 25, uh, because our context actually will be part of our application of today's verse. It says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, or his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Do you know what the most common property crime is? It is larceny theft. And believe it or not, statistically, 25% of all shoplifting is by juveniles. 75% of adults that also commit uh, larceny theft said that, uh, or 55% of that 75% said it started in their teens. And as we, we look at the statistics in relation to employers and employees, it says 75% of all employees steal at least once. According to the New York Police Department stats, there were 13,738 reported retail thefts through the end of March this year. That's 153 a day. Larceny theft, taking what does not belong to the, the person stealing is something that characterizes who we were apart from Christ. There's a proclivity towards stealing, a rise that comes out of it because of uh, what can be accomplished by not having to do much work and have great benefit in the, the long run. 
In an article by Lee Ohonian of the Hoover Institute back in 2021, wrote an article, Why Shoplifting is Now De Facto Legal in California. He says, Google shoplifting in San Francisco and you will find more than 100,000 hits. And you will find lots of YouTube videos where you can watch a single thief or an entire gang walk into a San Francisco Walgreens or CVS and empty the shelves. Most walk in, going about their pilfering, and then walk out. Though at least one theft rode their bike into the store and departed the same way, carefully navigating their two-wheeler down a narrow aisle. We probably shouldn't call it shoplifting anymore, since that that term connotes, or, or connotes the idea of a person trying to conceal their crime. In San Francisco, there is no attempt to conceal theft and there is almost never any effort by store employees, including security personnel, to confront the thieves. The most they do is record the thefts with their cell phones. Why is shoplifting so rampant? Because state law holds that stealing merchandise worth $950 or less is just a misdemeanor, which means the law enforcement probably won't bother to investigate, and if they do, prosecutors will let it go. So is the reason wine shop lifting is so prolific in California because of that $950 you know, level of making it a misdemeanor to do? Well, it could have some impact on it. Uh, it does embolden people when they realize that, hey, I can steal up to $1,000 and, and, and not find myself you know, spending any time in jail or being held accountable for it. Kind of reminds me of the, the um, Disney movies, Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, the pirates at the end say, take what you can, give nothing back. And see, that seems to be kind of the motto of what we see in our, our culture, in our world, even today. You know, these articles are a couple years old, and if you look at what's happening even now in 2023, it's become even more emboldened. Because there's, there's no consequence. There's, there's nothing that stops them from committing these crimes. Because if no one's going to stop them, then why not do it? Matter of fact, they're penalizing even employees for trying to stop these crimes. See, the thing is, is and I believe, biblically, the answer to this is not because there's a $1,000 limit. People love taking what does not belong to them. They don't like having to work for something and therefore earn something in order to go out and buy something. And so when we think about this and we think about the overall thing, this is what people that are unrighteous have a proclivity towards. This is what the sinful nature desires because, again, it's all about self. What can I get out of this? What can help me get a foothold or a step above everybody else? You know, if I don't have to work a, a full-time job and work overtime to provide and I can just go in and take it from somebody else and there's no accountability or no, no one going to stop me, then why should I work that hard? And so we've enabled a culture which is not for the good. And I believe even as Paul is speaking to this in Ephesians about the thief no longer stealing, that this is an important thing for us, for us to even see today even if there is no consequences for someone going out and taking what does not belong to them. But if you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 
Starting in verse 9, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? It says, Do not be deceived. And it goes on to this, this full list of what used to be characterized by us in our old self. It doesn't mean that you committed every one of these sins, but you no doubt were committing at least one of them. It says, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, in verse 10, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. See, that's the reality. That is what the world is apart from God. It's all about me, 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 myself, and I. Whatever I can get out of life, it doesn't matter, you know, who I hurt or who I steal from. As long as it benefits me, then that is for my betterment. But verse 11 goes on to say, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. See, again, we see this this transition happening from what was characteristic of the old self to the new self. We find this in multiple places in Scripture. And see, the call in that is, is that we're not supposed to look like the rest of the world. The rest of the world is going to look like and act like someone who has no God in their lives. They are their own God. And so Paul, in this third aspect, as he's taking a look uh, at things that characterize someone who is new in Christ, he says, let the thief no longer steal. That first phrase there, and what I'm entitled my entire sermon is from taker to giver. Because we used to take, 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 but now we are commanded and encouraged to give. That, the words translated in your Bible, thief, as well as steal, are actually the same Greek root, klepto. Okay? It occurs 13 times in the New Testament. It means to steal absolutely to commit a theft. And it may sound familiar to you because it's where we get our word kleptomaniac from. It's used in a couple other different places uh, in the New Testament. But when we we look at it here, and I told you thief and steal are the same Greek root, you could actually literally translate this, let him that stole steal no more. Let him who stole steal no more. Jesus used it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, where he says, Do not lay for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and where thieves break in and steal. Here, that's that same Greek root, klepto. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. It's also used in John 10.10. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and saying, well, Pastor Bill, I I really haven't gone into a store and taken stuff off the shelf. Maybe I did it when I was a teenager because I was one of those 25% statistics. But I want you to think of this in light of some other areas. Because, you know, we can can tangibly take a look at, you know, lying and, and say... Probably pretty surely, yeah, I've, I've lied, probably even recently, maybe even this last week. I've dealt with anger this week. But stealing, 
Well, I'm going to broaden this out so that you can see that it's more than just going into a store and grabbing something off of a store shelf or $1,000 worth if you, you know, want to go to California. Think of the stealing in light of our context, okay? We rob others of the truth when we lie to them. We rob ourselves of a clear conscience when we lie. See, when you think about it, we can steal from others and ourselves when we actually lie. The truth from those that hear as well as a clear conscience from us, because as we lie, we don't have a clear conscience. We may have a seared conscience if we are a perpetual liar, but the thing is, is we're stealing something. We're taking something from someone else or robbing ourselves personally of something. But think of it in relation to anger as well, which we looked at. We rob others of dignity when we become angry. We rob ourselves of joy when we become angry. See, I never really thought about the thief and stealing until I took the time to study it this past week, and I, I realized that there is a, a connection of the thief stealing no more in not only a real sense in the store taking something off the shelf or maybe not reporting all your income on your IRS taxes or, you know, uh, you know, teens, if you're here, taking money out of your mother or father's wallet when they're not looking. There's some other things that are more tangible as well. When we think about it, lying, angry, but look at it in light of the Ten Commandments. And this amazed me as I took a look at this as well. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. This robs God of the worship he alone deserves as the one true God. The second commandment, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. This robs God of the glory, uh, or his glory, as the eternal, transcendent, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, sovereign, creator God of all. Because we've contained him to an idol. We don't see him as he is. We rob him of that. Third, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. This robs God of his respect, his reverence, and his honor. Fourth, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This robs God of a holy, dedicated day for him. And you know, those first four in relation to God, you know, vertical, here's the horizontal ones. Honor your father and mother. This robs parents of their God-given honor and respect. You shall not murder. This robs someone of their God-given life. You shall not commit adultery. This robs someone of experiencing the fullness of the covenant between a man, a woman, and the God who made them. You shall not steal. This robs someone else of what rightfully belongs to them. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. This robs someone else of their name and dignity. And you shall not covet. This robs someone else of their right to enjoy what God has given them. Do you see how this is all interconnected? And when you think about the thief no longer stealing, are you stealing in one of these areas? You know, we can attach each one to one of the commandments. We can take a look at it in the context in relation to lying and anger. 
Because, see, when we participate in those things, when we don't, you know, live in light of God's Ten Commandments, then we are technically stealing something from God. And really, when you think about the commandments, all ten of the commandments, when we break them, are stealing something from God. It's stealing who he is as the creator God, the one who is holy in all of his ways. And so there's all kinds of aspects we can take a look at this. And Paul says, let the thief or let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. Now, the exact you know, thing that Paul is, is directing here is that, you know, obviously, if you steal something, you're not laboring for it. You're taking what someone else labored for. You're pulling it out and, and you're taking something from someone else. And he's saying, rather, let him labor. See, there is something good about work. See, some people think that working was a result of the fall. But if you look at the, the text in Genesis, you find out that God gave Adam the responsibility of taking care of the garden before the fall. See, there's something good about work. There's something good about using your hands, and particularly as a believer, using them for the glory of God. But rather let him labor. This is the Greek word kopiaeo, uh, 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 which is 23 times in the New Testament. Uh, one place it's used is it in John chapter 4, verse 6 where Jesus is at the woman at the well. It says, Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. This Greek word literally means to weary oneself with labor to toil, and it's used in an absolute sense. So instead of stealing what does not belong to you, Paul is saying that you should labor to the point of wearisome or weariness in relation to your work. So work should be tiring. You should toil so much that you don't even think that stealing is on the radar. It's not even an option. And he says, and there's, there's an actual you know, result in this. It's not just let him labor. It says doing honest work with his own hands and that word honest can mean good or beneficial. So it's not just working for the sake of work. It's actually doing beneficial work with your own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So this is calling us as believers to do honest work to the point of exhaustion. And to what purpose? So that we may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, there are people that are genuinely in need. There are also people that steal from others that are not in genuine need, but present themselves as being someone who's genuinely in need, even though they're not. But we leave that to the Lord, and we, we, we are good stewards of our hard labor, which is you know, supposed to be good, honest, beneficial to the point of exhaustion so that we could help anyone in need. So not only taking care of what God has given you responsibility for, whether you're uh, you know, single and you're taking care of your needs and the, the, the bills that you have, 
or if you're, you know, in a family and you're taking care of working hard to, you know, the point of exhaustion, you know, in relation to your own personal needs, but it doesn't just stop there. Because it's not just about you. See, the thief steals because it's about them. This is about God's glory. This is about us living in light of who we are, no longer in that old self, but in the new self. So how should this affect our lives today? This is one of those things where you need to ask yourself the question in light of the context and not just say, well, I don't steal stuff out of the local CVS or Walgreens. That's not mine. Or try and take the bank pin that's chained to the bank, you know, desk at the bank. You know, that's why they do that is because people take the pen with them. They should give you free pens, but that's another issue altogether. <laughs> but how should this inform our lives today? Because this is applicable to us. Because again, this is not just talking about what we consider larceny theft. This is talking about looking at all the areas of our lives and seeing who we are robbing as a result of the choices we make. Or maybe the, the compromises that we make. Because we can steal from our children by not being honest and truthful with them. You see that stealing has its fingers in all of these different areas. So in what areas of your life have you been stealing and need to stop? Because maybe you need to step back and stop for a moment and say, well, wait a minute, you're absolutely right. I've been robbing God of his glory because I thought this way or I spoke this way or I did this. It brought, reminded me of Zacchaeus. You know, we always talk about Zacchaeus and all we do is remember that he was a short, rich guy and needed to climb a tree. But you know, he was a tax collector for Rome. And he collected Rome's taxes, and then he collected taxes for himself. The scriptures actually say Zacchaeus was a rich man. And in Luke chapter 19, it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to his, this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus didn't become a believer because he gave his riches away. That was the result of his faith in Jesus because he saw that he should no longer be a thief and steal, but instead should work hard doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with someone else in need. But he also made restitution for everyone that he did steal from. So in what areas of your life have you been stealing and need to stop? Where you need to become like Zacchaeus and see yourself how God sees you? Second, in what ways can you work harder doing honest work? Reminds me of Romans chapter 12, verse 11. It says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Do not be slothful in zeal. See, the thing is, is that we are believers in Jesus Christ. 
and that should affect every aspect of our lives. We should be the very best employee a company sees because we are living in light of who we are in Christ Jesus, not living in light of our own selfish desires. Well, what can I get out of it? What can I rob from my, my employer by taking a longer break or turning in more hours than what I actually worked? In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, it talks about those who walked in idleness, or idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. A busy body is someone who is everywhere doing everything but doing nothing. So what areas do you find yourself maybe being a busy body? Maybe at work or in your family or maybe even in the church. What areas do you need to not be idle in, idling in neutral, going nowhere? Not being productive for the kingdom of God. Not using your gift for the glory of God. Because when you're not doing those things, guess what? You're robbing God. Because he's given you something, not for your own personal benefit, not for your own personal uplifting, but for the building up of the body of Christ. To be godly examples to your employers, to be godly examples to your children, to raise up that next generation so that they are not slothful in zeal, but are fervent in spirit. In other words, they are alive. There is something about them that the rest of the world looks at and say, well, wait a minute, why aren't you taking advantage of this? Don't you realize that we could get some free stuff out of all this? You know, it's kind of like freedom. Freedom is not free. We're coming up on July 4th. It costs someone something. Everything costs someone something. And when you take what does not belong to you, then you are robbing them of that. So what ways can you work harder doing honest, genuine, good, beneficial work, not just idle work? Because you'll notice that a busy body is still doing something, but they're doing nothing at the same time because it's not productive. It's not for God's glory. It is side railing everything else. And lastly, in what ways can you share with those in genuine need? And like I said, there are those in genuine need, those who cannot work, maybe because of limitations they have physically. Proverbs 14.31 says, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. See, we have been given the privilege by the maker himself to just like he takes care of our needs to be used by him to take care of the needs of others. And that's a blessing. That's something that we should not shrink away from because we have something to give. As a matter of fact, it starts with salvation. We should not shrink away from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those we know are not believers because we are robbing them of the truth that they are dead in their trespasses and sins apart from life in Christ and need a savior. And no amount of just being good around them and trying to be more loving than you are truthful does not help, you're robbing them. 
And the thing is, is we have something to give, not only in relation to salvation, but we are, as we live biblically, a moral compass to a fallen world. See, it doesn't help change the world when we are not living in light of who we are in Christ, because then we're just living like the rest of the world, or maybe a slightly better version of the rest of the world. Well, I won't do this thing because I know that that is definitely wrong, but I'll dabble in all the rest of it. No, that's not who we are. We were not bought with a price. The Son of God did not shed his blood for us to live that way. No, no, we're never alone. See, think of it in light of that. See, God didn't leave us alone because we've been bought and paid for. We belong to God now in our thought, our words, and our deeds. Now, does that mean that we are perfect in all of our ways? No. But that's what we're striving for because the world needs to see that. So stop robbing the world of seeing who Jesus Christ is. Even if they hate you, that's outside of your control. What's in your control is making sure that you're living in light of who you are in Christ Jesus today. Instead of being a taker, be a giver. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's bow in a word of prayer as the worship team comes and we close in our final song, Take Time to Be Holy. Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for these truths today from your word. Sometimes it's hard to see directly in what ways we may be doing the very thing we don't think we're doing, especially when it comes to being a thief and stealing. So Father, help each one of us to realize the areas that we need to, uh, by your power and your strength and by your spirit, reel in so that we are living in light of who we are in Christ Jesus and not robbing you and not robbing others, but instead being givers. Because we want to see you glorified. We want to see you lifted up. We want to see others experience what we are experiencing because of the spirit that indwells us, because of the reality that we're never alone. Because you are, as we sang last week, our good, good father who takes care of every one of our needs just like you take care of everything that you've made, from the smallest thing to the largest thing. Nothing escapes your sight. And so, Father, may we live like that in our culture today so they may see you. Not selfish desires, but you. And that you would change them from the inside out. Because that's where real change happens. That's where revival happens not from outside, not changing or repackaging things. It's you changing people from the inside. And so, Father, we pray for that in us as Ellington Baptist Church and for all the believers around us, around the world, because we want to see you lifted up. And, Father, we thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.